Hello, beautiful individuals. This is Five and Nine, a podcast at the crossroads of magic, work, and economic justice. Hi everyone, this is Anna. Welcome back to season four. You're listening to a snippet of audio from our life in Wadi Rum. Our guest for this episode, Azad, worked with our group to fly a kite in the big, beautiful sky surrounding us. My name is Azad. I am a multidisciplinary artist, a child of Iranian and Guyanese immigrants, a black, indigenous person of color, a forever cheerleader, a conscious reflector, a healer, and a holder of vulnerable spaces, living on unceded Lenape land now known as New York City. We return to season four with a conversation about pandemic life, the arts, and recovery from burnout. Season four is about crisis, and we're living in a time of increasing humanitarian crisis. As with all of this season, we recorded this episode months ago, and we hope it arrives in a way that helps you find grounding and nourishment in these difficult times. You guys were great. Thank you so much. Yeah, my name is Azad. I'm currently a resident of Brooklyn, New York. I'm by day a family medicine physician. And in terms of my creative life, I uh, have my hands on a couple of things. Currently, it's the craft of acting. And then in the past, it's been mixed media projects and music. The residency here at Wadi Rum is focused on water and the water crisis. I came here with the intention of, obviously, this is a place with very little water, this desert. Mm. And for some reason, I was very focused on interacting and engaging with the wind. That's mm. something that this desert has a lot of, right. um, a surplus of wind power. Um, and I f- think of wind as fluid, just like water. And so my project here has been kite making mm. and, and a, a way of harnessing the wind, but also like respecting and listening to and feeling and most of all yielding to the wind as a fluid to get the kite up and to let the wind do, let the nature do what it wants with the kite i'm just holding the string but making a kite from scratch and i had a commitment to use mainly found objects mm. so for instance like the fabric of the kite is from is the plastic bag that our daily bread was delivered to here at the campsite and the frame is old wire hangers and uh, you get the picture one of our co-residents was doing some Chinese and Arabic calligraphy, and they gladly did some design with ink Mm -hmm. on the fabric of the kite, did Mm -hmm. a symbol for water in both Chinese and in Arabic so that we could see it sort of illuminated against the sky background. Hopefully we'll do that this afternoon. If you could take the audience um, into this desert. You've been walking around, looking around. We're sitting here in a tiny little cove. What's it been like moving around this desert, looking for things, experiencing it, and experiencing the wind especially. The wind has been my friend here in the desert. The temperature and the sun exposure has been particularly difficult for me, Mm. feeling a bit of heat exhaustion on more than one day. I'll speak to my mornings here in the desert. I've been waking up very early, maybe one of the first one or two people to wake up in the morning here. Mm. It tends to be cold in the mornings and the sun is just starting to peek out. And I've had a a meditative practice. I'll find a a low cliff to go and sit on and, and have my sit for the day. And moving about the desert when there is 
less noise, mm. when there are fewer people moving around and I'm just listening to the morning of the desert or the desert morning has been a really beautiful and like stilling kind of experience. Yeah, The wind is, it, it feels like it's the difference between life and death out here in the desert. If, if you don't find an area of shade, the wind can, you know, give you a couple, <laughs> couple more minutes of cool until you, you know, hope you survive to the next, to the next stop, especially if like you've been out for a while. So right. it's a different desert without the wind, completely different temperature. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's right. So the theme of this episode, this season is around crisis. If you're comfortable talking about some of your work as a physician as well, the past three years has, uh, we've been in a state of crisis. I think it was January, end of January, 2020, the public, WHO declared the public health emergency around COVID. And just this past month, declared the end of the public health emergency. Not the end of the pandemic, but the end of the emergency. And so something we've been asking for everybody on this podcast is what if, what if the past three years have been like for you? I, I was a physician in New York City, one of the hardest hit places yes. during the pandemic. And it was just surreal. Like I never stopped going to work. Mm-hmm. My hours changed and responsibilities definitely changed. Everybody else was inside and I was going through the streets and there was silence and no cars and and you're, you're you're getting to work because you're the only ones who are going to work healthcare people and emergency personnel and eventually bank personnel in new york city but that's a whole other conversation i feel very strongly about how they were considered essential workers however mm. um <laughs> it was a surreal experience having such a long period of time several months where the streets felt dead right. where there was instead of you know you think of like a ghost town, there's like a tumbleweed classically rolling by, but New York City, downtown Manhattan, there's like pieces of trash just rolling by, literally, wow. and no one around. Wow, really like a tumbleweed. Um, it was very strange. Right. Um, and it, you know, it almost feels like it wasn't real, like it was like that fate, like that was a, like maybe a dream, hmm. because it's just so different than, and it, it was only really that extreme for a few months, and then, you know, started to be more people in the streets as we started to understand the virus better. I'm thinking a lot about how we move forward in this world. We move from this one dominating crisis and now it feels like we're just surrounded by it. What is the space for the arts? What is the space for the creative life in a time when it feels like, I, at least I personally feel overwhelmed by everything that's going on? Mm, you know, it's the a big role, question. Yeah, it's a big question. You know, the role of the artist, many would say, is to express or say the things that the rest of us who may not consider ourselves artists have trouble saying have trouble doing have trouble articulating have trouble expressing i think the role of the artist especially in crisis Hmm. is also to help us ask questions of ourselves that we otherwise may not and in so doing like you know it causes the people who experience the art to reflect on their lives and their planet and their relationships in hopefully new ways different ways. I think the role of the arts in crisis is to keep us thinking about possibility and to keep us thinking about change, impermanence, because it's part of my belief system that everything is impermanent, you know, mm-hmm. everything changes. But I think in crisis, people can get really fixated on certain approaches or certain solutions or certain beliefs. And I think the role of the arts is to help us continue in a healthy way to question that. Can you talk about what led you to make this decision? To prioritize your creative life. It feels like you've uh, talked about it as the things that feel important versus the things that bring you passion and life. Yeah, burnout. I mean, burnout. definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, 100% burnout was a huge factor. Burnout in the medical field 
But to be honest, I, I had a lot of these creative interests even before I burned out. But burnout will bring you to a point of being a spectator to yourself. And I started to realize that, or to just fully acknowledge and accept that, hey, maybe I went into this for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if I was really in touch with and courageous about my passions, I might have chosen something else. You know what I mean? But that's the beauty of being able to try new things even at an older age. The beauty of having opportunities to change or to continue in a different way. never good at card shuffling. Uh, I see people do it and yeah. I always wanted to be good at it, but I guess it takes a lot of practice or something. Does, yeah. Nice thing about a podcast is no one sees exactly how you're shuffling. Yeah, they just hear that it's like sliding and like, yeah, I'm a professional. It this sounds like, cool, you know? Yeah, I mean, doing So this is a very interesting spread for you. The Four of Swords is often the card of rest. And it's a very particular type of rest because the swords here, they represent the intellect. They represent traumas, challenges, battles. And interestingly enough, related to your work, the swords also represent air energy. Air that moves through, changes. It's like the mind. Mm. The four of swords is saying what's been planted is after this extreme period of work, of intensity, you needed a break, a breather. 100%. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And not like, it's not a stop, but it's just like, take your swords and rest, lay them down to rest for a little bit. I know this card, the four of swords. You do? How so? Or it knows me. Mm. I had a friend who did tarot, and either I was moving away or she was moving away. It was a fr- one of those friendships where it's like you realize that you're actually closer to this person than you thought you were, close to the end of like when you your your friendship is viable or like when some you know like too late basically, right? So either I was moving away or she was moving away. She said, "Hey," as like you know, draw a card as a gift and keep it. Mm. And I drew four of swords. You did. This card is following you. This is the only tarot card I've ever kept and had with me. Wow. I don't think I know where it is now. This is, when was that? That might have been like 2016 or 2017. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was this card. Do you remember what it looked like? I'm curious which yes. deck she used. It was like this, it looked like there was a horizontal sort of platform, coffin almost or something. And on top of that, was laid to rest a king or prince very still and just like this and you're looking at the profile from the side yes and then i think on above it were like four above it and to the right were four yeah. actual swords yes you know that deck yeah that's the rider wade smith deck yeah okay. yeah it's one of the most popular and influential tarot decks in the world okay and uh, it's one i use often and i love that that's such an important image and here's why mm. the fact that you remember it with so much detail because those swords are hanging over the head, the mind, right? The throat, and the heart. Mm. And in that deck, the, the other sword is actually resting yes. by the night side. It's holding, it's holding, yeah. it's like That's near right. the body or something. That's right? right. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So it's someone who's been in battle, someone who's been through so much, and is still thinking about the swords. They're still hanging over you, but it's okay to rest for a little bit. Hmm. And that's what's been planted, though, because you took this time. Wow. You took this time to rest, because the way that we, you know, that this is depicted in this deck, is that the light is starting to show. You kind of cocoon, a little shell. Hmm. So, the speaker of stones here, the stones here represent the earth, labor, career, work. The equivalent of the Rider Waite Smith deck is the king of pentacles in this. And so, as you lay to rest, 
What's building now is an invitation to a, a type of mastery that the speaker represents, someone who brings this out into the world. The work you're doing, the skills you're learning, you're building, here you're training as an artist, yeah, developing skills. And the speaker of stones is saying, the labor, the work that you're putting in now, piling stones on top of each other metaphorically, lifting up that kite, is part of the work that's needed now. Wow. That's a strong metaphor. If something drew me to the wind. I didn't think about kites. At first I was like, oh, I'll do, maybe I'm, maybe what I'm thinking will manifest as some sort of large mobile, mobile that I'll like hang in the desert or something or like mm. and let the wind play with it because the art is not the thing I build, but the art is the interaction of nature with the thing. So it's like the movement, right? How did you get into kites? You said it's a, it's a COVID hobby for you. COVID had me thinking more about games and play than any at any other point in my adulthood wow. because of the lack of social interaction whether obligations or pleasure i was just like what do i do with my mind and my body that is not this job you know what is there something else i can spend my time doing that's not just covid 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 and i, I don't know I, I thought about it i was like wow that's something i haven't done in a long time since i was a child and i was like i bet, I bet these things are super cheap and you can just order them online and i went online i was like oh wow there's like kite websites there's like for kite enthusiasts there's all sorts of stuff it's like no i'm doing this immediately wow and it was just it's always been so joyful and it brings so much joy to everyone else because i think it's not something people see that often anymore in the states no. and like we were just so excited adults and children when you see like, oh that's awesome because people forget about simple joy like this is like kite is like an og toy you know what i mean it was like an early form of like let's play yeah. let's see what the wind will do with this so all right, so I'm going to let out some line. I'm going to need uh, someone or two people to hold it up and turn it over. Once you turn it over, it's taking off. Okay. But turn it so it's face down. So okay. aim and take that side and you take the underside. Okay. Don't raise it up yet. Catch the wind really quickly. Watch out, watch out. Make sure the, make sure the lines are on the bottom. On the bottom. Yeah, it's a frameless kite, just tons of lines. Got it. All right. Let's go over there. Can we walk towards Shari? Uh, Five and Nine is an independent podcast at the crossroads of magic, work, and economic justice. The music was recorded live and performed by Hashim Bin Muatik. Find us at thisis5and9.com, on Apple, Spotify, Google, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. 